When it comes to Christian politics, the Christian worldview, we see government as an institution that is established by God and given for the purposes of promoting justice for the citizens of the land, protecting the innocent, punishing the evildoer. We recognize government as a sacred institution. We believe as Christians from a biblical worldview that God ordained the government to practice godly justice, and God also commands us to follow, obey the laws of the land. In fact, the Apostle Peter, one who eventually was put to death by the government of his day, told us that we should submit for the Lord's sake to every authority, to the king, to the governors, whoever it is that has been put in charge. And as long as government is serving the purpose for which God created it, we must show our allegiance and our faith in God by submitting to the human government which he has ordained. Now that can make for a challenging uh, task in the day that we're living in, to say the least, as we look around and see some of the trouble and problems and all the complaints we make about government. But friends, uh, we want to dive into that subject today on the Code of Man. And in fact, today, and perhaps for two or three episodes in a series, we'll be talking about our role in government and the government's role according to God. And so I hope you'll enjoy that as we begin the first of this series today. I'll be joined by, of course, Easy Target and our special guest, Roland Napoleon. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled by burning desire. To be the best you can be, so everyone will see. Welcome to the Code of Man podcast, and I've got some exciting news today. Care to hear it? Yes. Always. Today is our silver episode, episode number 25. Oh, yeah. That's right. What about that? Man. See? By the way, we, we would, let's go ahead and just introduce who's here so we can know who all is celebrating and regaling one another with many memories of the Silver times together. Hmm. I guess I'll go first. <laughs> Y'all know who I am by the sound of my voice. It's me, Roland Napoleon. You know, you'd think after 25 of these, we would have this down to like... But, you know, that it preserves our, um, our our genuineness. You know it's not mm. scripted because... Oh, yeah, you know well, this actually, I did kind of script out what I wanted to say here, but you just hijacked the whole thing, so... <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. I was going to introduce... Roland Napoleon is being with us today, hmm. so let's go back to that. Okay. It's good to have Roland Napoleon with us today. It's always good to be here, the most <laughs> sought-after guest in code history. Well, I was going to say, in 25 episodes, you've been our most frequent guest co-host. I, Probably six or seven. Yeah, I, I'm a regular. Pretty yeah, much. I'm, a, pretty I'm much. like a, a Gomer, a Goober, a Floyd. You know, I'm not a star, oh. but I'm, a, I'm like a... Funny you should bring that up. Okay. Great news. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I'll hold that thought. Remind me, I want to give that to you as a gift. It's a 25th anniversary gift. Oh, okay. Here's a bigger thing. Before we get to the gifts and celebrations, I've got a question. I was thinking about this. 25 weeks ago was April the 9th of 2020, okay? 
But that wasn't our first podcast. Our first podcast was on March 30th of 2020, which would have been 26 weeks ago. And here's the big question of the hour. Is there a lost episode out there somewhere? Is there a missing in terms of, we're talking code of man, perhaps there's a missing link in this code. No. It's probably <laughs> where, you know, we... Maybe. This is a mystery. This is an... Un, you know what? This this could get us on that Unsolved Mysteries podcast. The ones that, yeah. They, and they tell you the killer's still out there at the end of the episode? Yes. Yeah, great. Yeah, right. Wonderful. Isn't it that our very first upload was the teaser trailer? You know what? It's probably an operator error. That could be true. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody forgot to type in the Somebody right pull up your podcast app and make sure they're all numbered the right way. Well, anyway, all that being said, that's the mystery. As soon as someone figures that out, let me know. But today's episode, today's episode is number 25, but I thought it would be worthy of celebration. So I got two things for you. Number one, let's go back to the free gift that you just mentioned, reminded me of. You talked about being Floyd, Goober, and Gomer all wrapped up in one? No, I'm just like one of those, like a regular, a regular guest. I just found out today, this is big news, I found out today there's going to be a movie about Mayberry. Hmm. Wow, I'm so excited. Would have been the time to cue up the (laughs) rousing applause. Wait for it. I heard today. Wait for it. (laughs) I heard Just today more that there's going to be a Mayberry movie coming out next year. Get out of here. What? That's right. That's right. It's called The Mayberry Man. Is it and about Andy Griffith? It's about a guy who gets... <laughs> it's about a Hollywood actor mm. who, who gets busted for speeding in a small southern town. Oh, no. And is... Oh, no. What's the word I'm looking for? Hallmark? No. <laughs> Uh, and then he runs was it sentenced by the judge oh. to attend the Mayberry Festival in and that he town. He doesn't want to go. I sort of feel like, yeah. all right, now, full disclosure, I've not seen a whole lot of Andy Griffith, about a season and a half to two seasons worth. And I feel like the storyline of that movie was already an Andy Griffith episode. The it young man. comprises some elements, I The think. young man comes flying through. Yep. That was, you know, who that young he, man was, by the way? No. In that mo- that episode, do you know what we're talking about? He was called the episode's called Bailey's Bad Boy. Do you know who that was? No. Ron Bailey was played by none other than Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby. Okay, yes, he was the Hulk. So he was he was well, Doctor no, Banner. He was Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Lou Ferrigno was the Hulk. Was it Bruce Banner on that old show or David Banner? I think it was David, David Banner, Banner on the TV show. We have run the gambit here in the opening of this podcast. Mayberry Man is supposedly coming out next May, but it has so been recorded. It, it was officially recorded. Final scenes were recorded last week during Mayberry Days in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Well, I'll be. I'll anyway, so let's get. So that's one gift to bring joy to your heart. You've got something to look forward that's to. That's my gift? Well, that's a, a gift. I've got a second a gift rip for off. you. Okay. To celebrate the 25th anniversary, the 25th week of our podcast, and episode number 25. There to we celebrate go. celebrate that, Woo-hoo. I have brought you a jug of animal crackers. Oh, All right! Yeah, yes. woo! Is while we're trying to talk? Yes. So like when well, don't worry, that's why the cups of water. 
I would have brought you bottled water, but oh. budget would not allow. <laughs> now, these are special animal crackers. Now, originally, this was a tub, was a four-pound tub of animal crackers. Mm-hmm. We bought these for the church to use for the children. And why <laughs> I brought these... You stole them from the <laughs> No. No, no, no. While no. I brought these was, we bought and opened these 25 weeks ago, <laughs> and they haven't been used since. Hmm. But I thought it would, today would be the day to... Wait, what date was that? <laughs> April 9th. That was like... 25 weeks ago. That was like pandemic, like when it was running wild. Yes. Yes. So it's Survival sealed up. rations. It is sealed up in that, that uh, container So basically right what you... Now that's pr- been opened a few times since then when we got hungry okay. around. It's them. already been proven, though. COVID is not transferred through animals. Oh. Yeah, what? <laughs> we're safe. Oh, man. Because they're animal, they're animal crackers. Okay. We, well, anyway. <laughs> all right. So today's episode... Today's episode is going to be... Uh, without doubt, a top tier as far as hot-button issues of the day. And we are recording this two days after the first presidential debate of 2020, which, if you want to call it a debate, that's what it was. It is an election year, and uh, the election this year will include having the, quote, highest office of the land up for grabs. And I challenge you guys to think along these lines. Christians and the world of politics, or Christians and politics. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, Christians and politics. What role should Christians take in civic duties? What are the limits to how far we should engage and, and participate? Where do we draw the line when it comes to voting? In other words, what determines how we're going to vote? Now, I realize that these are very broad questions, and we are going to try to bring the big picture into focus. As Napoleon, sir, you are fond of saying, we're going to start at the 30,000-foot view and see if we can bring this down to a ground-level view and, and, and figure out how we practically deal with these topics that are going to come up today. Now, what sparked this for me, I suppose, was two things. One, the season that we're in. As I just mentioned, it is a practical topic to discuss because uh, Christian men, Christians, period, are going to be asked to roll up their sleeves and, as is often quipped around these things, hold their nose and walk into a polling center and vote. And yet we hear so much in the way of complaints and disgust with politics and politicians. Literally, I think the lines have been blurred because government is a God-given, ordained institution, as we're going to discuss. But sadly, much of the politics or much of the politics, I should say, have tarnished the role of government. So we want to hopefully help code men figure out the path, blaze a trail through this burning rubble of modern politics and realize where and how and why we can engage and, for the cause of Christ, make a difference. So that's the first thing that brought me to this, was just the thinking of the season. And then secondly, what brought me to this topic was by reading... Uh, scripture the other morning, John chapter 18. And to get us started, I just want to read this dialogue between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And I believe it really does open up this discussion on politics, government, and the Christian view. So let me read this. John chapter 18 and verse number 33. I'll begin reading here. It says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto him, I find no fault at all. I find in him no fault at all, rather. So this really begins to open up a whole lot of possible topics and, and venues, ways we can go. And we're just going to talk about that. But, I mean, so a couple thoughts from this right off the beginning. Jesus is on trial before the Roman government, okay? Christianity and government, you know, the conflict there. We can start with a, uh, some dialogue on that. I, I believe this absolutely brings into a discussion kingdom mindset, which is a big topic we need to, to discover, talk about, unravel a little bit, because there really are two kingdoms. There's the I guess there's probably multiple kingdoms, but there's the kingdom of the world, and inside that there's multiple kingdoms under that heading. And then there's the kingdom of God. These two are at odds with one another. So which one controls the government? And, 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 and your first answer might be, well, it depends on who wins the election. <laughs> you know, but government, as it is ordained of God, is always ultimately under the control of God. But we see a lot of hijacking of the role of government by politics, mm-hmm. Christians and politics. Obviously, this is a hot button, controversial issue in the world today. So let's let's just push that button. Romans twelve eighteen. If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. When it comes to Christians and government, I'm thinking it's a role that focuses for a Christian. The government we need to have a role. It focuses more on the outcome versus the actual agenda, strategy, and even lifestyle, if you will, of, of really identifying with and proclaiming and believing in and pushing a political agenda. As a Christian, we want law and order. We want religious freedoms. We want to live in a government that allows us those things, but at the same time, we got to render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God. We don't want to get so caught up in those politics that we lose sight of what we're supposed to do as a believer, our actual duty. I guess my main, my main point is when, it, when you get Christianity in the government, focus more on the outcome of the government and not so much the agenda of the government, getting into the politics, identifying with a certain – but the outcome of do we live in a government that allows us to have these religious freedoms – I feel like what you're saying, though, kind of raises a question that, well, it helps propagate the confusion that I think a lot of Christians have in government. If we're supposed to be concerned with the outcome of government, but we're not supposed to get wrapped up in the agenda of government, how do we influence without getting involved? And, and I think that's what, at least in my life, has been so confusing is because you've almost heard two extremes in preaching. And we, we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but... You've almost heard the extreme similar to like what the Thessalonians were doing that Paul had to address where they were taking the wait-and-see approach for the kingdom of heaven. They were, they were just kind of sitting around. They were doing absolutely nothing in their service for the Lord, but, hey, they were, they were waiting for the kingdom. And that was addressed like, no, 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 
you're supposed to, to watch and wait but still be working while you're doing it. Then you've heard the flip side of, hey, Christians have to be involved. They've got to be so wrapped up. We need Christians in politics. We need Christians fighting the good fight of faith. And the, the spiritual warfare has gotten muddied up with political warfare. And we're not supposed to be fighting a political warfare like we do in combating spiritual warfare. So, and I guess that's the topic of today, how do we, how do we be involved in the outcome of government, in the direction of government, without allowing it to become our life and allowing us to you know, get so wrapped up in it that we've lost our focus? So you have to start, I think, to, to do anything with this. We're going to have to start with, with what is the role of government? If God has ordained government, and he has, what is the role of the government? And when we understand that, then we can start clearing up some of the other confusion because we can start figuring out what our role in government is. And I think also make a explain the difference between politics and government. Now, politics, in its original meaning and sense, basically meant the affairs of the city. The, the practice of politics was supposed to be the application of good sense to oversee the, the welfare of the people, okay? <laughs> we know that's not what politics is today. Today, politics is a big ambition game to see who can get the most, stay there the longest, have the most power, and rather than a government that is people-centric, where power is given to the people, this is a government that is becoming get more power for itself, which is following the pattern of most of these historical you know, governments like you've brought up there. So Paul said in Romans 13, again, he's writing to Roman Christians here. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. If you'll remember when Pilate and Jesus were having their conversation, Pilate said, you know, uh, aren't you... Aren't you don't you realize that I could have you killed? You know, and Jesus said, you would have no power if it had not been given to you from above. So all that power comes from above. It's ordained of God. Now Paul goes on to say, whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. So we understand something here that we are not called as Christians to rise up in tyranny or anarchism against the government. Okay, That is not our place, our calling, not against the government. He says, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You'll notice that what he says there is that the ruler... The government bears the sword. What does he not bear? He doesn't bear the the bank book. He doesn't bear the soup ladle. He yeah. doesn't bear the the bailout or what right. whatever all this we want to bring out right there. So when we talk about the role of government, it is clear here in this passage and going back to Genesis as we were discussing before we started recording in the days of Noah that the government's role. I would say the government's role is twofold: punish evil, protect the innocent. And if God ordained government to do those two things, then everything else that has evolved from that, then was where we start having some trouble. That's what muddies up the water, so mm -hmm. to speak. One of the, the thoughts that I had out of Romans 13 
in verse 3, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So as much as government is to punish the evil, one of the other overarching purposes of government was to to lift up and, and emulate the model citizen, you know, to draw the nation's attention to this is a guy that is doing things the right way. This is punishment comes when you get out of line and it's to help provide the standard. It's to provide this is what you should be living for. And, you know, when God instituted government, he gave human government, it was expected that government would get that standard from God and then put it into practice in the life of fallen people. So providing protection, providing praise, and uh, that's that's what government's all about. One thing some folks m- may disagree with me on, but it's really better to have a corrupt government than no government because it goes back to what you said. Punish bad and protect the good. If, you, if it's every man for himself, there's no telling, I mean— we might as well just go home and board up the windows, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. So that is the role of government. I think you said it very well there. Protect the good citizens, but at the same time, politics creeps in. And Yeah, I mean, if you go back to... So if we go back to the, the Constitution in those days, I mean, what were they arguing about to create a Constitution? What were they arguing about to create a Declaration of Independence? It was about sovereignty as a nation... But within that sovereign nation, all those states had their sovereignty as states. It was They were bound together by what? I mean, if we come down to the basics, they were bound together by things like national defense, protecting the borders, raising up a military force that could do that. And, and it was all, and, and then, you know, law enforcement. I mean, there was the enforcement of the law. Look at what we're at today. Most bills that pass through Congress make the U.S. Constitution look like a middle school research paper as far as length. Uh, it has become so ridiculous. That, again, as you said, is the politics that have got into the government. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about that. What has tainted much of our Christian view of things is we have become so political. Mm-hmm. Christians are very politically minded. They're not government minded. They're politically minded. For example, this is this is this goes back a while, and I shared this a while back in something. But it's an excerpt from C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters, and he's writing here from the point of view of a senior devil named Screw Tape, who's trying to teach his nephew Wormwood how to quote remove spirituality from a Christian, if not to remove it, then to at least quote corrupt it. And here's what he tells him: No doubt. You have often practiced transforming yourself into an angel of light as a parade ground exercise. Now is the time to do it in the face of the enemy, the enemy being God. The world and the flesh have failed us. A third power remains, and success of this third kind is the most glorious of all. A spoiled saint, a Pharisee, an inquisitor, or a magician makes better sport in hell than a mere common tyrant or debauchee. Looking round your patience, and his, the patient here is meaning to speak of the believer, which is under assault. Looking around your patient's new friends, I find that the best point of attack would be the borderline between theology and politics. Several of his new friends are very much alive to the social implications of their religion. That in itself is a bad thing, but good can be made out of it. About the general connection between Christianity and politics, our position is more delicate. Certainly we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow over into their political life, for the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. On the other hand, we do want, and very 
and want very much to make men treat Christianity as a means, preferably, of course, as a means to their own advancement, but failing that as a means to anything, even to social justice. Now, when you think about Christians and their politics today, he nailed it. Yep. And, and the thing about the screw tape letter, C.S. Lewis, was written in 1942. I'm sure he's working on that in 41. And you know what was going on in England during 1941, 42? World War II. Yeah, World War II. So we're talking about a very tense time where there's a lot of political energy going on in that land. I mean, Lewis was seeing that in his day, and we are seeing it in our day. And it doesn't matter what, I mean, it's coming down the pike today, just one right after the other, whether it is uh, the social justice issues, whether it's COVID-19 or the racial unrest and violence in our land. The issues are just relentless. And Christians are getting their focus on that. They're wanting to Christianize their politics. And the question I have for you is, can we do that? Should we do that? Well, friends, I'm going to jump right back in, and that's going to wrap up the first of this series of discussions between myself, Easy Target, and Roland Napoleon on Christians and politics. Christians and politics. Many of us are familiar with Alec de Tocqueville's writings about his visit to the Americas back in the 18th century, and he said, There is no country in the world where the Christian religion retains a greater influence over the souls of men than in America, and there can be no greater proof of its utility and of its conformity to human nature than that its influence is most powerfully felt over the most enlightened and free nation of the earth. And oh, to bring back that kind of a spirit in the land. Well, friends, we're going to keep diving into that uh, discussion in the weeks to come. And we appreciate you joining us. Just remember this, God reigns over all. And uh, when this thing is all wrapped up and done, we are first and foremost citizens of his eternal kingdom. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the Code of Man podcast. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled. Heart of a champ